0: In what state did we leave the Transformers when we last saw them at the end of episode three of the pilot? This is Matt Freitz and we're gonna get into that on episode four of Energon Entry. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Energon Entries. As always, this is your host, Matt Freights. I want to welcome you back to the show. This is episode four, as we're going to continue on our journey through the entire season or series of Generation One of the Transformers. The last time we spoke was at part three or the last episode of the pilot. It was a three episode pilot. And much like pilots, it was a messy affair and we weren't sure if it was going to continue. I listened back to the episode last time, and I thought that maybe I could have done a little bit better. And so we're going to have a little bit of a format change going forward because I felt like I was rambling a little bit. But much like the first three episodes of Transformers, the first three episodes of this show needed a little bit of work, and that's kind of what a pilot is all about. So moving forward, you're going to get a little bit of a recap of the episode that I watched, and then I'm going to give you my thoughts. It's still going to be short and sweet, So bear with me a little bit as we try to figure this out. I guarantee you, though, that we will figure it out and it will be something that is a fun experience for you. So let's get into the episode. So when last we saw the Autobots, they had dispatched the Decepticons, what they considered months ago, in the sea. Mirage was able to get on the ship and he was able to make it crash land into the ocean. Now, at the end of that episode, all the Autobots thought, hey, the Decepticons are gone. We won't have to worry about them. And so this episode starts looking at the Autobots. What have they done over the last couple of months? Well, they seem to have established themselves in and on Earth but they still feel a little bit uneasy about the Decepticons. And rightfully so, because as we find out very, very quickly in this episode, Megatron and crew have survived and have since spent time building a new city underwater. They sort of pan in and you see their shuttle having crash landed in the rocks and a whole bunch of other buildings with what seem like lights built around them. And we find out that Megatron and crew have been busy down there building the city and they're planning their next move, which, of course, is going to be getting energy from somewhere on the Earth so they can make it back to Cybertron. Speaking of Cybertron, we get our first glimpse of what has happened to Cybertron in the last four million years. It was a question that I had watching the first three episodes of, hey, what's going to happen to Cybertron in four million years? Is it even there? Well, of course it is still there because if it wasn't there, there wouldn't be a show. We find out that Shockwave is still alive and he is sort of the caretaker of Cybertron, at least for the Decepticons part of it, and he is running low in energy. So he desperately tries to contact Megatron so that he hopefully can be able to find him and that they can get some energy back to Cybertron because it is in dire straits. And he manages to actually make contact with Megatron, which is sort of a one in a bazillion chance, but Megatron lets him know that the Decepticons are here, and we now find out that there is this space bridge. And Shockwave lets him know that the space bridge will be reactivated very, very shortly. And this is a space bridge between Cybertron and Earth, and it's going to be the way that they're going to transport not only themselves from Earth to Cybertron through space, but the Energon cubes that they have been trying to collect and create over the course of the first three episodes. As Jazz and Spike are driving through one of the cities, I'm not actually sure where they are. They don't really tell you very much where they are. There are blackouts in the city that have led to these big traffic jams. And so obviously Jazz and Spike are thinking, I wonder what's going on. There's traffic jams. People are leaving the buildings. There's blackouts. And so they go back to Autobot headquarters and tell Optimus Prime about it. Optimus Prime does this thing, bleep, bloop, bleep on Teletran One. And they find out that it's coming from this one place, this solar power place. And there is Megatron. And Optimus Prime sort of has this moment of grave danger and says, oh, Megatron lives. So Optimus Prime and the Autobots go to confront them at the solar power plant. They obviously have this big fight. In that battle though, Ironhide is wounded because he is hit by Megatron's blast in gun form. Optimus Prime caring more about his fellow robots than he does about the war with the Decepticons. Makes sure that the Autobots get back to where they need to be because they need to make sure Ironhide is okay. There's a couple of quips between him and Ratchet and so forth. And Optimus Prime sends Bumblebee and Spike to go find this space bridge. So they go out and try to find the space bridge. And of course in true 80s fashion, there's spying they get caught and there's a whole plan that they're going to get sent to Cybertron so that they can drive the Energon cubes there blah 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 blah. the Autobots end up rescuing Spike and Bubble of course because they're able to come and save the day Megatron through all of this hoopla and this battle gets sent to Cybertron over the space bridge Starscream of course is extremely happy claims leadership of the Decepticons Autobots claim victory save the day and that is the end of the episode It's interesting because obviously a lot of time has passed. There is a time jump. And we found out the Decepticons have built an entire city underwater. And my first question as I'm watching it is, well, with what? Did they take remnants of the ship that had crashed and sort of make these things? Where did they get the energy to do this? In order to get the energy, they would have to leave the ocean. You'd think the Autobots would have actually found out about them well before the start of this episode. But clearly they've been very busy without really many resources. But hey, good for the Decepticons. They always seem to be one step ahead. As I said earlier, you get your first glimpse of Cybertron over the last four million years and you find out that Shockwave is still guarding it after all this time. It's amazing that that planet still exists, but I guess if you think about the history of the universe in terms of our reality here on Earth, it seems pretty feasible that Cybertron could still be there. Obviously, nothing has happened as it relates to the war. They haven't found some major energy source in four million years, which was a little bit weird. And so Shockwave does his thing and is able to get in touch with Megatron and now the Decepticons are kind of rolling again. I asked myself in the battle at the solar power plant, is this the first time that Megatron transforms? I don't remember him transforming in the first three. He probably did, but it wasn't memorable. And in this particular instance, it was a little bit more memorable because obviously he transforms. Starscream is doing his thing. Excuse me, Soundwave is doing the shooting, which is interesting because for the most part, it's Starscream many times, but Soundwave is doing the shooting, shoots Ironhide. And this is where Optimus Prime obviously takes over. And remember I talked about him being kind of like John Luke Picard. He cares more about his people than he does about the mission. And that is true here. And that's why the Autobots had to retreat and let the Decepticons kind of win in that moment. I mentioned in one of the last episodes that it seemed like they were trying to build a relationship between Spike and Hound. And it seems like they're kind of starting a new friendship because Bumblebee and Spike seem to be starting a friendship in their mission that they're being sent on in order to go find the space bridge. And of course, they have sort of like a Keystone Cops moment and they get caught and they can't seem to find their way out of it. Bumblebee can't seem to find his way out or go back. I mean, he goes into this cave, which was kind of weird, climbs up out of this cave instead of just trying to go all the way back to Autobot headquarters and get reinforcements. And so it is what it is. I mean, the Autobots, for the most part, over the last three episodes have been very reactive, and that continues here. Nothing really changes, so it is what it is. The introduction of the Space Bridge is kind of neat because you know it's now going to bring Cybertron into play, And honestly, from a creative perspective, that opens up a lot of avenues. You can get more characters and kind of build some more relationships and kind of do more story building with what happens on Cybertron now. And you can kind of even go into the past. So I'm sure that this is some foreshadowing to allow us in terms of a creative mind to get to new places within the show. So I think that that's a pretty cool device that they use. And it's going to come up in a lot of the other episodes I remember as a kid. And obviously, as we watch through them, we'll see what that actually beholds. Megatron at one point had a weird thing where he was talking about the space bridge in Shockwave's voice, so you kind of have those inconsistencies in terms of animations and voices and things. Starscream's no ray comes in super handy all the time, and that's one reason I think that he keeps him around, and I'm talking about Megatron here. I asked the question last time as to why does he keep him around? Because he seems to always want to take over. And maybe that's why, because his no race seems to have a lot of uses. And Megatron obviously knows that because he's obviously using it quite a bit. And he uses it here, which allows them to sap energy out of the solar power plant to make the energon cubes. I will say another observation is that Laserbeak and Soundwave, they seem to be unstoppable as spies because it seems like Laserbeak is not only undetectable, but can pretty much get anywhere without any problem. The Decepticons have zero issue finding the information that they need or stealing it from the Autobots, which I think is kind of funny. And Laserbeak seems to be the way that they do that. I think it's... Fantastic. I mean, kudos to the Decepticons for having a weapon like that, because obviously the Autobots can't seem to do anything about detecting it, can't do anything about stopping Laserbeak. And if I'm Megatron, I'm just using them all the time because I'm continuing to stay one step ahead. Of course, at the end, you find out that Megatron survives the space bridge because, of course, he does. There's no way that they would kill off Megatron in Episode 4. He goes back to Cybertron. I feel like the Autobots, again, think that he is dead, and I'm not sure why they do this because he seems to survive just about everything. But if I'm Optimus Prime, I'm worried that he does survive it, and now he's on Cybertron, and that's one thing that the Autobots don't have. They don't have a connection point to their home world. Megatron now has that, and I think that I would be worried about that if I were him. But knowing the Autobots are the first four episodes, they won't really worry about it. They'll do some other things, and they'll have to react to something that the Decepticons are doing. So as far as my thoughts on this episode as a whole, I thought it was fine. I think it actually gets us to new places with the Space Bridge. It obviously reestablishes the war between the Autobots and the Decepticons. It adds a little bit more of the human element, because now the Autobots are established on Earth. The Decept- Decepticons are established on Earth. And so now the war for Cybertron is going to actually bleed into Earth. And we're going to see how All of that is handled because obviously Earth is not going to take that sitting down. The people of Earth are not going to want to have these robots take over their planet. So it'll be interesting to see if the relationship between the Autobots and humans evolves over time as these episodes go on, because they're obviously going to need each other to stop the Decepticons. So overall, it was fine. If I had to give it a rating out of five, I would say it's probably a three and a half. You saw some fun stuff, but standard issued Transformers fair. And there's really nothing that you can do to complain about that. What did you think of the episode? If you want to get in touch with me, MattySmedia at gmail.com is the email to do that. We don't have any social media for this podcast. It is just a fun venture for me right now. But as it grows and builds, who knows? We might actually make that. And I'd love to hear from any other Transformers fans out there. I hope this finds you well. I hope this finds you safe. And I will talk to you next time for Episode Five Roll For It. This is Energon Entries. The opinions and viewpoints expressed on Energon Entries are those of Matt Freights and his guests and not necessarily those of the Matty Ice Media Network. Energon Entries is exclusively owned by Matt Freights and is brought to you by the Matty Ice Media Network.